Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. We have a series this Advent season based upon that great prophet from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 9. Now, the people in the time of Isaiah were going through a very difficult time. And it is that great prophet Isaiah that looks to the future and says, now listen, this is what's going to happen. The people walking in darkness, (laughs) I think walking on earth can be described easily by darkness, (laughs) the sin darkness of the world. Well, the people who are walking in darkness someday are going to see a great light so that they will know that it is the great light. This is what will happen. A baby will be born. Now, Isaiah earlier in chapter 7, verse 14 says, born to a virgin, and she will call him Emmanuel. Mary knew that Jesus was the son of God more than anybody from the start. But a son will be born to a virgin. A son will be given and he will have the titles. He will be called. He will have the attributes of a wonderful counselor. And Dr. Spomer, two weeks ago, shared with you Jesus as the wonderful counselor. Nobody gave better counsel than Jesus. Listen to these words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. It is Paul who said this about Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, you are in Christ Jesus, who for us is the wisdom from God. Jesus was the wonderful counselor. He also is described by Isaiah as mighty God. Last week, Dr. Spomer spoke to you about Jesus as mighty God. No one ever did what Jesus did when he walked on earth. He calmed the wind and the waves. He turned water into wine. He raised the dead. He enabled the blind to see by his great miracles alone testifies how strong and mighty he was. Now, in John chapter 10, verse 32, we have this story where Jesus is with the Pharisees and the Pharisees pick up stones to stone him to death. And Jesus said, which which of these mighty works, these miracles, okay, are you going to stone me for? And they said, listen, we're not going to stone you because of these miracles, mighty works. We're going to stone you because you, a mere man, claim to be God, God Almighty. And that he did. We understand Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of God Almighty. Today, we're going to take a close look at the fourth title that he is called the Everlasting Father. 
Now, for us here, it's probably not very difficult to understand Jesus is everlasting. Okay, because did not Jesus say, I'm the Alpha and the Omega? Did he not say before Abraham was, I am? Now, it is John who in the first chapter, not the 14th chapter that we looked at, who says, in the beginning, <laughs> see, everlasting is eternal forever, synonymous. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. With God from the beginning. In him was life. And that life was the light of every man. The light shines and the darkness has not overcome it. We understand what John is saying. The fulfillment of Isaiah in chapter 9, those walking in darkness have seen a great light. A true light, John says, has come into our world, which gives light to everyone. He came into the world, even though he made the world, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but to those, you and I, who received him and believe in his name, he has given the right to become children of God. Now, listen to the terminology, the personification of a child. Children born, not of blood, or the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but born of God. So understanding Jesus as eternal is not difficult. But how many of you consider that baby is being father, a child being born. Father, eternal, everlasting father. That's a little more difficult. Now, when we study the Bible, we understand like Abraham, is he not called the father of many? Just a man? And if you study it, you know what the, who the father of music is? Huh? Musicians, you should know this. Jabal, the son of Cain, who killed Abel. Well, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? But the idea of using father as a paternal personification of something is normal today. If you watch commercials today, you will see LeBron James up and against this, this father figure. You know who that is? Father time. And guess who wins? LeBron James, because he's the, one of the oldest basketball players. What is father time? Past, present, future. We describe time with a paternal personification. We do the same thing with nature, do we not? Ever heard of mother nature? And of course, I'm going to date myself. Some of you remember that commercial, Chiffon Margarine. Margarine. Yeah, you give it to Mother Nature and she tastes it. What is it, Mother Nature? She says, it's my sweet butter. No, it's not. It's chiffon, <laughs> margarine. Well, it's not nice <laughs> to fool Mother Nature. The lightning, the rain, earthquake. What is Mother Nature to you? It's the paternal personification of everything in nature. Wind, waves, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes. Listen, Mother Nature is tough. 
Well, the same can be said about Christmas. Have you ever heard of Father Christmas? What is that? The paternal personification of everything that Christmas is. You know, Christmas by far is uh, one of the favorite holidays of many people. And I think the music has a lot to do with it. Think of all the Christmas music. Isn't it something? Christmas songs and music lifts the spirit, moves the heart. Even in a secular world, outside of the church, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas is one of the most popular secular Christmas songs. Are you dreaming about Christmas this year? Within the church, oh, little town of Bethlehem, silent night, oh, holy night. Well, how do we classify all that Christmas is? All the decorations, all the lights, all the good cheer and joy. You know what we call it? Father Christmas. Some people apply that to Santa Claus, but it really pertains to everything about Christmas. Maybe you remember the Christmas Carol, the movie? What is the spirit of Christmas? Okay, Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. The spirit of Christmas is the one who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The father of Christmas, that paternal personification is Jesus Christ himself. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what we celebrate when the, the prophet looks to the future and says, and he'll be everlasting father. I believe he's talking about also Christmas, that child being born. That's everlasting. I believe when we go to heaven, guess what we'll be celebrating? Christmas. It's eternal. Light goes on for eternity, you might say. And Jesus is the father of our Christmas because his life, death, and resurrection is what saves us, the greatest gift ever given that keeps on giving (laughs) is the gift we receive in Jesus Christ. Now let's take a close look how Jesus puts the two together. Okay? Luke, excuse me, John 14. Quick background. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Then Jesus says, if you have known me, you have known the Father. And this is what Philip says. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that is enough. You know, that's people today. Just show me God, and that'll be enough. I want God right in front of me, and that'll be enough. Philip is saying the same thing, and the same thing Moses said. Moses, 10 commandments given to Moses. Ten plagues he saw with his own eyes, experienced it all, right? The parting of the Red Sea. What does Moses ask of God? Ask of God Show me yourself, your glory. Hmm. People want to see God. And this is the answer that God gives to anybody, including you, if you'd like to see God. I am all you get. Jesus is all we get. It is John who says, no one has seen God the Father, but God the one and only Son has made him known. Jesus gives us a great grand teaching of the Holy Trinity. 
in the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, we confess a light. In the Athanasian Creed, we confess that the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, the Holy Spirit is almighty. Not three almighties, but one. That the Father is eternal, the Son is eternal, the Holy Spirit is eternal. Not three eternals, but one. Listen to how Jesus puts the Son and the Father together. Nine, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? I think Jesus is a little disappointed here. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. What I say is what the Father says. What the Father says is what I say. The works I do are the works of the Father. The works of the Father are my works. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. That's part of the Christian faith, to see Jesus as God Almighty, to see Jesus and the Father as one and the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus who describes the portion of the Holy Spirit also in this reading. And me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. The Bible says you got to have two witnesses. The witness is the works of Jesus Christ, almighty, the things that he did. The second witness is the Father himself. Remember, Jesus at his baptism, this is my beloved son. Same thing, transfiguration. Listen to him. So you have the witness of the works, the witness of the Father. Now he describes the witness of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who's eternal and almighty. Look at how he describes this. Truly, truly, I'm going to paraphrase. Listen up. Listen up. <laughs> Emphasis, ready? I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. If you are a Christian and you believe in Jesus Christ as God Almighty, the reason for Christmas, you're going to want to do through the power of the Holy Spirit what Jesus does. He came to save the world, of course. We can't do that. But he wants us to make disciples, followers. He had those 12 disciples, you might say. We are to go and make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? By baptizing. In the name of what? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And teaching what? Teaching people to obey, to submit to all that he has commanded. And he makes a promise, I'm with you always. And then he makes this promise, and greater works than those will he do. He makes a promise. If you do the will of the Father, which is my will that I have done, and you continue it, the church, you'll do greater things. Anybody here thinks they'll do greater things than Jesus? What is he talking about? He's not talking about physical works, parting of the Red Sea, the calming of the wind and the waves. He's talking about spiritual things here. The greater works, you might say, than even the blind receiving their physical sight. It is the spiritually blind receiving their sight. 
to one of the disciples, you and I, who go forth and do the work of the Lord. It is Peter who stood up on Pentecost when he received the power, the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Not just to see Jesus as Lord and God Almighty, but to spread the word, to do the work. That's what Pentecost is all about. And Peter stands up and preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people were added to the kingdom in one day. And were baptized. That's more people than Jesus had following him in all of his three years. Oh, yes, he fed the 5,000 or the 10,000, but they didn't all follow him. And then the church moved forward. The church has done greater things. Why? Through the power of the almighty Holy Spirit. And he proclaims this. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. It is later on that that Jesus says, listen, I need to go to the Father, but if I go to the Father, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will, spend, I will send the Holy Spirit. Wow, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Then this promise, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. What are you praying for this Christmas? Hmm? More toys? Hmm? A new car? What are you praying for this Christmas? My hope is that you will see the light and pray for God's will in your life. Have you ever prayed that you become a better Christian? A better Christian mother? A better Christian father? Grandfather? That you become a better member of your church? Have you ever prayed that you could do the will of of the Father, which is the will of the Son, which is the will of the Holy Spirit, that is to share your faith with your children, your grandchildren, with anybody you work with, whoever you see, that God would open that door so that the gift of Christmas that keeps on giving will keep on giving through you. What a prayer. That prayer I believe is what Jesus is talking about. Whatever you ask for, that will, I will do. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. <laughs> Christmas is the gift that keeps on giving, and you can be a part of that. Because you know the wonderful counselor. You know almighty God. And you know the everlasting Father, who's the Father of Christmas. His name is Jesus Christ the Lord. And he's within you and with you always. Amen.